0: independent left dot news independent left news Indie left news it's independent
1: left news oh yeah and i get news from independent left thank you independent left on news they actually put up posts of different shows rest. different things going on check out indie left they're doing a lot of good things they're on twitter and instagram and they've helped promote our show a lot thanks for the work you do behind the scenes too this man does our discord and some other helps so i just love to shout them out thanks so much man yeah they kind of Really do a great job of pushing.
0: Thank you, Independent Left, for reminding me of that. Check out independentleft.news. Indie Left. News.
1: Indie Left. Shout out. Welcome,
0: Alex Rubenstein. He is a <laughs> journalist first, journalist, content creator second. Thank you. Thank you. But he is a journalist who has worked and is esteemed in our space. He's worked for everywhere that you know, RT, Sputnik, uh, Mint Press. He's published at the Gray Zone. He has a sub stack. And he's got a Rockfin channel. So now I've given him a proper introduction and you can see him and we can actually cut <laughs> all of that out when we, when we do the live stream and the podcast. So thank you. I appreciate you telling me that. <laughs> and what's to up, True love and lady Alex, welcome over here uh, on the Rockfins as well as over on YouTube. So um, again, Alex has worked for all these different outlets. He's also covered protests you covered the Donald Trump, uh, the, the hat protests after Trump got elected. No, and, no, I wasn't, no?
1: I was in jail during that.
0: Well, that, that's right. You got, you you got jailed. <laughs> that, that was my point. Like you got yeah. arrested.
1: <laughs> I, it was, it was before, it was before the, uh, the woman's March. Um, oh my God. Yeah. So, I mean, there was, it was a, it was a really big day. Actually, it was really big three days, um, at first, it was the uh, Deplorable, which was like, you know, uh, there was uh, like a some kind of convention for like the alt-right slash uh, new right. I guess we weren't really using the term new right at the time, but a lot of those figures that have made their way into that space uh, were there. And it was, I can think it was kind of a weird time for the right wing um, because they were kind of figuring out their identity and whether or not they were down with Richard Spencer or not um but there was a big protest outside so you know uh, i watched somebody throw an egg at Sean Hannity that was fun mm-hmm. um and i was up i had all these journalists i'm not going to say who it was because a lot of them don't even like me anymore um because you know differences over foreign policy differences over over antifa black lives matter that kind of stuff but i had i had like like eight journalists staying i was renting a basement apartment at the time and so you know we just lined the floors with journalists <laughs> covering all everything that was happening in dc um and so we had like all stayed up all night uh editing our footage from outside of the deplorable and so it gets to be like you know six in the morning and we head out to do you know more more coverage and all of the i don't know if you remember but all of um it was a big uh talking point against trump at the time that you know he had like an abysmal turnout at his inauguration
0: right. and really
1: the reason for that re- it wasn't because people didn't want to go it was because every single entrance um to to the national mall which is where the inauguration was was blockaded so uh they they had all these different groups because I was you know, I was interviewing the organizers of all this, um disrupt j twenty leading up to it. I was uh very involved, well, not I wouldn't say involved. i I wasn't organizing myself, but I was uh I was attuned to the uh, organizing effort that was going on. And so we went down to the barricades and you know, watched all the confrontations Alex Jones showed up uh that was also a good time um i i love his energy he just like it's just like zero to a hundred and he's screaming about how like antifa assaulted a woman and like i don't think that happened uh but he was just like full rage mode and then after that you know after the we spent a while at the barricades i went to the uh spicy march um which was uh anti-capitalist and um it was a black block you know and for those people who don't know what that is it know everyone dresses in black this was like before it was really cool um but kind of pushing it into the mainstream Mm -hmm. um and they were just going around uh destroying starbucks windows and bank windows and even bus stations which i remember irritated me quite a bit at the time because it's like you know workers use these to take shelter from the elements while they're waiting for the bus because they can't afford uber you know or or whatever so um it it wasn't the most ideologically sophisticated event ever um but uh basically the at at some point the actually and i'll tell a little story about that too is what the organizers of disrupt j20 had been telling everybody for months was that uh you know dc police won't kettle you um which means they won't like corral you surround you and 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 prevent you from leaving and do a mass arrest and the reason for that is because they actually wound up paying a lot of money uh when they had done that uh years prior um however they did do that so they did that and i was i was you know working for rt america at the time and um they had booted me like I'm following around the, this like crazy protest there, you know, tear gas everywhere, uh, sting ball grenades, the works. Wow. Um, and they had accidentally booted me off uh, of their periscope to um, go to the studio. So I'm like, what the hell, man? So I call my boss and she's like apologizing and said, we didn't mean to do that. Get back on Periscope. So I'm in the process of getting back on Periscope. That was Twitter's live streaming service. Right, sometimes. right. It's it's gone now. Um, and that's when the police surrounded everybody. And Antifa, the brilliant minds that comprise it, decided that uh, what they were going to do was charge the barricade. So I got swept up in like this large group of people that just like charged while I'm like on my phone looking down at it. Ugh. Um. So yeah, I got I and and there's actually video of me there's a there's a good picture of me that Reuters took uh getting knocked down from behind by the cops with a baton i was streaming at that time the guardian took my feed and did a little video out of that and um yeah they pepper sprayed me like point blank um and uh yeah it was a mess and i i spent the next 25 hours in jail and long story short, I did not make it to the women's march.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would. Oh, jeez. You know, again, getting arrested for journalism. I mean, that's you got. Yeah, and pick, you know, you I would picture your, your Julian behind you. So, like, you know, uh, we are yeah, we are right. staunch, have you speaking of getting arrested for journalism, um, and for publishing. I mean, just yeah, free Julian Assange, please, everyone. Well, let's let's I,
1: do that. <laughs> I was wearing an RT jacket at the time, I had my press badge, and the cop that arrested me was like, oh, you work for RT? And I'm like, yeah, dude, like, why are you, like, you know RT, why are you arresting me, you know? And he told me that he watched his RT to, like, keep up to date on what's going on in protests, so, like, well, you've been what, like... And I could see on Periscope, you know, it gives you some, it would give you some alerts for like who is watching, and like the DC Police Department was watching my Periscope, you know. Um, so yeah, they, you know, uh, and, and then you know they gave me a big hassle about dropping my charges. They wanted to send me to prison for ten years. That was uh, that was the charge that uh, I got stuck with. Actually, I wasn't included in the superseding indictment. Although the other 230 or so people that were arrested were and that brought like a 62 year prison sentence uh, based on the charges. So it was it was really insane. Um, And, you know, as much as I, I might like criticize Antifa or, or Black Lives Matter, you know, I'll always defend them from that kind of absurd, draconian uh, punitive measures. And it's the same reason why I've been so vocal in support, not in support, but in defense of uh, the January 6 people. Because, I mean, it's crazy what happened to a, a speedy trial. You know, um, I think that the left has been wanting to do stuff like January 6 for years and years, never got the guts to do it. And now basically can't because they've all you know, uh, advocated for, they've helped the FBI in a lot of ways. A lot of the main Antifa sleuth accounts on Twitter have been like, you know, doing the FBI's job for them. Um, I, I remember, uh, there was a protest, uh, maybe like, maybe like six months ago or something like that. Uh, that was like in support of the January sixers. It was a right-wing protest and Antifa showed up. So they were doing the police's job for them. You know, it
0: mm-hmm. was totally
1: insane. Um, there were communist groups that were tweeting calls for sedition charges and my my mind is just totally blown by all this um I don't wanna name names I do wanna name names, but I'm not going to <laughs> uh, but you know i think I think that lesson of of January twenty is uh it, it really it, on January sixth of that year, I was Already saying what was going to happen, I was exactly right, and I was already speaking out against it. So I was—I feel like I was on the right page from from the start with that, and that's because of that background that I have.
0: Hmm. And and so, were you in the camp that was looking at the FBI reports prior in November, and and realizing that there was that they were they were setting stuff up and that they were pulling. Capital Police and Warning Staff now? Is that is that, is that what you mean or what, No, what mean?
1: I I didn't even know about that. I haven't followed it super closely. Um to be honest, I've just spoken out against the absurdity and I've caught a lot of heat for that, but I haven't done any actual like investigative journalism on that.
0: Yeah, I was I I was reading Whitney Webb and and lev Prior and they they were talking about even even before it was happening that they were setting up for something like this. Uh, and then they were gonna work on also getting to the inauguration, of course, everybody bulked up security, and everyone kind of backed down and everyone knew what was gonna happen, so that ended up not happening yeah. thankfully i mean, look nobody wanted to see them gotta take over the country and and in, in the way that they that they wanted to um you know if you wanna prove it and you can actually get into the machines and audit and do everything else then fine but uh just yeah. to declare it is is a whole other thing um. So I also now I saw that you were you either reported on Standing Rock. Did you go up to Standing Rock also in in I 2016? Did. Wow! Yeah. So you were, you were up there too, yep. man. You have you have covered yeah, like I, every I, uh, lefty action. Holy shit, that's awesome.
1: Charlottesville. Yeah, right? I I I was I was a little young for Occupy. I wasn't doing journalism at that time, but I got started following around Black Lives Matter in 2014. Hmm. So I mean that that was really when I got started doing journalism because I was. You know, like reading the New York Post and shit and seeing all the lies about the protests that I, I was at, you know, um, and I uh, I started writing for some pretty obscure Italian newspaper um, and, uh, you know, got it, made a Twitter account and started just tweeting videos. And that was how I got started. And eventually uh, a friend put in a good word for me at RT I uh I was a social media editor at RT. I was not a journalist. Um so I oh, wow. saved up I saved up all of my vacation time for the year, 2 weeks and went to Standing Rock <laughs> during my vacation. Oof. I used to work, you know, 7 days a week um back then. I don't do that to myself anymore.
0: I still do that to myself but that's, that. that's okay. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate that you did. And that's awesome. Uh, holy shit. So what did you do before you started doing journalism? I, I was always curious. Uh, 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 were you... I used to,
1: t- I, <laughs> I used to tell people I was retired. <laughs> I was like 20 years old. And I'm like, yeah, I'm retired. Nice. No, I, I, uh, I, you know, I wash dishes, that kind of shit, you know, Um, or didn't work at all and just was a bomb, professional bum. Nice,
0: nice. And, and what area? I'm not asking specifically what area did you grow up in? Uh, it was in the US. You're living in Mexico City now, right?
1: I'm not in Mexico City. I'm in Mexico. I'm not going to say where. Okay. Uh, but I am in Mexico. Cool. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, actually, I'll tell this story because, you know, I've never told it before, but, um, you know, I got I got pretty sick of the town that I was living in when I was uh, 19, and I collected my paycheck from my dishwashing job. Actually, I was a fry cook at that time, um, and I uh, it was like 200 bucks, and I went home and filled my – well, actually, I brought my backpack filled with clothes to work that day, collected my paycheck, walked across the street to the bank, cashed it in. And uh, and took a, a bus, uh, several buses, uh, and eventually wound up in New York City with my backpack. So that was fun. Uh, no connections, nothing like that. Um, so, you know, I, I was just like, you know what? My life is like really boring. Uh, I don't like it. Um, I don't want to be a fry cook. So I decided to be a bum. And, it you know, in the long run, it worked out for me. I was lucky that I was a, a guy, so I could do that sort of thing, um, not have to worry about some of the things that a woman might have to. Um, but you know, I made friends. I, I uh, got into activism, uh, learned a lot about New York City and a lot about the world. And then slowly, I uh, I made my way into journalism.
0: That's so. So, like, you you get to New York. Were you were you homeless when you got to New York City? To- yeah. What was mm-hmm. that
1: like, you know,
0: um, um showing up in New York with like nothing basically, you know, with a backpack, right? Uh,
1: yeah, well, I had heard about, you know, different groups that were uh activists, so I uh, I connected with people uh pretty quickly. Uh it took me maybe 6 months to get get off the street, which I think is pretty pretty good. Not like not that long compared to, you know, other people. Um, I was lucky that I, you know, wasn't, you know, addicted to any drugs or, you know, stuff like that. So I, I, I had a, I had wits. So I was able to leverage that, I think.
0: Wow. That's, uh, that's, that's, and I've never told
1: that story publicly. So that, you know, that's, this is, this is an exclusive for you guys.
0: Holy shit. That's, that's a hell of a story. Appreciate, (laughs) I, I appreciate you sharing that, man. That's, uh, that is pretty, pretty damn remarkable. Um, so, so also, uh, you are very outspoken, I know, uh, in, in support of the Palestinian people and against, against the, the Israel, the Israeli state and and what's happening there. And it looks like just, just again, this morning, there was another, another bombing, uh, in Gaza. And uh, it's just now you, um, were, were you raised, were you raised? Jewish culturally, I mean, uh, I was, -hmm. I was personally. So, so to be an anti-Zionist, an (laughs) anti-Zionist Jew outspoken as a journalist, I give you a, a ton of credit and I've been fascinated and have not really talked to too many, but go ahead.
1: It's easy. It's easier for, for Jews to do that than it is for, uh, for like a Christian or especially a Muslim journalist. Right. Uh, we we have that shield, um, and yeah, like somebody says, oh well, you're a self hating Jew, and it's like, look, man, I love my family, I love all the people I, all the Jews I went to Hebrew school with, like you know, you're you're not gonna get under my skin by saying I'm a self loathing Jew. So I think it's easier for for Jews to take an anti Zionist position than so we have to, right? Like if we're progressives, we have to. Um, not that I really you know use that term to self identify, but. You know, I I I think that we, yeah, it's easier for us.
0: That's interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, see, now I, I see it as you have more of the pressure of your family and community kind of around, and to have to deal with with that pressure, which, yeah, that that's the other side of it. Um, so I feel you though. Well, I've um, never.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I don't really have like a, I'm not a practicing Jew, right? I don't, I don't go to synagogue and I'm not sure I could, if I wanted to, given where I live. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I've always wondered if, uh, if certain people in my family are non-communicative for a reason, you know what I mean? Um, and, and that being the reason, uh, I don't know for sure. No one's ever said anything to me. Uh certainly my parents are I'm I'm very fortunate that I, I grew up with very progressive parents. So they understand and they're not quite on the same page, but pretty damn close. So that's that's very helpful. You know, my immediate family totally gets it.
0: Well, it's, that's <laughs> you're a lot further along than me, fortunately. Um <laughs> I, I, I come a fa- I come from a family that 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 not so much gets it. And uh I, I have battles yeah. with Yeah. With a lot of people, um, it's, it's sad to hear some of the stuff that, that the rhetoric um, and, and just the, the fact that, yeah, I third, guess that would, a that... third are under 18, a third of gods is under 18. And it's like, they just refuse to look at that. And it's like, guys, this these are teacher. These are kids. Yeah. These are kids at this point that have had no shot for the time they, they were, they were born where again, watch Abby Martin's documentary and it's again, they don't let us as a community really see very much at all. Look, they don't let the congressional delegates that go there even go to, to Gaza, unless it's an approved visit to an approved area with an escort. So, um, the films that, you know, a part of my awakening, again, Richard Medhurst was, was a large part of my awakening. Um, I, I give him a ton of credit, um, and and I consider him like a brother, even though I've I've only you know seen him on camera once or twice, but followed all his stuff, been to his streams and everything. But you know, there, and and then of course there have been guys like Max, who you work for, and and again I, I such admiration for for Max and and Aaron and those who do choose to speak out against their their families communities knowing that that it's going to make them a pariah and 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 unpopular and 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 outcast and i've always kind of seen myself as as an outsider in a way so it it's who i kind of it it shouldn't be the outsider position um so well i think
1: that might be might be typical uh, of our of our people uh to to feel a little bit like an outsider um but you know, now that you mention uh, difficulties with your immediate family, I, I think that if I had that same experience, that would probably uh, change my calculus on when I when I said that you know it's easier for J- Jewish journalists to mm-hmm. take a stand. Um, I, I said that with the privilege of of coming from a very progressive family on that issue, even. So uh, I, I you you make a good point there
0: yeah yeah no thank you um again like so now the assange again you work for rt now he was already in the ecuadorian embassy when you started working there did he have his rt show while you were working for rt was that after beforehand he was I don't already think so he was already I don't done think with so that? i got yeah. hired
1: in like late i got hired in like late 2014 i think his show was like 2011
0: hmm. and and then so. i'm wondering like Covering his his trial, did you did you do much of that, or you were watching? I know, obviously, you were you were watching, and and you know we're we've been advocating, doing all kinds of activism for it, out speaking out, but
1: um... yeah, I uh, you know, with Assange, um, I haven't really, I haven't really covered him so much, and the reason for that is because where I wherever I've been working. Uh, at the time when there's something to really cover with him, there's been other people that that are have been on it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I never I never tried to work at like the Interceptor or like a place that uh, you know wasn't like really all about Assange. So, um, there were other people that were always on it. I, I I've written a handful of articles. Um, like one one thing that I really laid into while I was at Mint Press was. Uh, you know, they kept saying that, like, when he got arrested, um, they said that, like, he had smeared feces, like, all over the embassy, and, like, I, I debunked that. Uh, so that's, like, the one thing that I've done as far as journalism goes. I have done things behind the scenes that I'm not really able to talk about, um, but, you know, working to help help him. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, uh, I've supported him on Twitter as much as I could, right? Mm-hmm. but sure. I have, yeah, I haven't, I haven't really, uh, I haven't really exposed anything. I mean, like, you know, we had, we had Whitney Webb while I was at mint press, of course, max runs the gray zone. So, you know, what was I going to do? <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: you know, right. Whitney's kind of the queen, uh, you know, to a point, you you got Glenn out there. Oh, to a, there's so many good advocates out there. Muhammad El Mazi. Uh, we actually, I got, I got to, I right. talked to him a couple of weeks ago. He he um he did a stream with Tara Reed and and I helped to organize that. And he's just tremendous. Um, again, all all these guys that are carrying the torch because it's it's incredibly frightening. Again, you're you're not located now in the, in the U.S. Um, if you wrote <laughs> something dissident, you know, look, Commander X got remanded, uh um, from from. Mexico they went and scooped him up brought him here and locked him up for X amount of time like I'm worried I don't that, I don't know how much journalism. of that was
1: I don't I don't know too much about uh Commander X so I don't want to speak uh about you know if I'm wrong I, I encourage anyone to correct me but my understanding is is that US federal authorities uh grabbed him in Mexico Mm-hmm. Um, pretending to be mexican authorities yeah uh in order to get into his gated area so i've heard people blame Amlo for that happening and i'm not so sure that's the case Ooh. i'm I'm, Ooh. I'm pretty sure that's not the case especially especially what i know about Amlo. you know i know people that work in his office um i haven't asked them about that specifically uh and also you know the the kind of um Defense that Amlo is giving for Julian right now. Well, you know, that it makes me skeptical of this idea.
0: Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say the half hour that he that he talked Biden's ear off about that and told him to take yeah. down the Statue of Liberty and um, so so you've been living there with Amlo as president, um, and and everyone like, what's it like to have a real leader that like gives a shit about the people? Because <laughs> it must be different.
1: Well, he's he's got a huge amount of support. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's really it's really amazing i i you know i think the polls say 60 percent, but like that 60 percent is very vocal right like they all have signs they all have like little omelope plushies you know i'm not kidding it's like he's he's a real icon um i don't speak spanish so well so you know it's hard for me to really uh get a grasp of their politics um i get a lot of it through my through my wife um, mm-hmm. and her her family is very political so, um, that's helpful, but uh but yeah, i mean it it feels like more than sixty percent supports him just because those sixty percent are like you know really enthusiastic supporters,
0: hmm. that almost sounds like another band of supporters that I don't wanna, yeah, but on the, on a complete opposite end, but still, fervent. But-
1: not brandon's not, not no 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 know. not brandon's i was talking about trumpy's yeah.
0: trumpy but but yeah. just in a completely opposite way again it it's more like you know people used to describe him as as the mexican version of bernie but he actually had the courage to do a lot of the things that that the american bernie did. yeah
1: <laughs> right and you know honestly his his uh his way of conducting himself is actually a lot more like Trump. You know, it, you know, I, I loved watching Trump on TV because he'd put the journalist in his place and Amla does the same thing. You know, they start asking him questions that he doesn't think is fair and he'll call out like the people that funded their newspapers, you know, uh, with no problem. And so, so all the NGOs and, you know, all the Western press go, Oh, he's, he's attacking, you know, the free press, and it's like, no, he's talking about who pays who pays them, you know right um, and it's the same thing that that Trump really did uh in a lot of ways i th- yeah. I think you know he's also prone to making some stupid comments too much much like Trump.
0: And, and he holds court every morning. I mean, he does those press conferences yeah. pretty much every morning. for. And he'll just stand yeah. there and answer questions. I mean, again, can you and imagine? And fight with
1: the reporters, too. Can
0: you imagine having I mean, a really? leader that's happy to do that on a daily basis? And I'm like, I'm looking at, I'm like, you know, I have a friend about two years ago who he's he's Brazilian. And he was a big AMLO fan. And he's saying, AMLO is el presidente del mundo. And, and he's one of those guys, right, that you're talking about and so i started you know he puts the links in my discord and i watch him in the morning and i'm just i'm watching the way he he conducts himself and i'm watching the way that the respect that he gives to the people that he's speaking to and i'm like God damn man what where did we go what the hell happened here that we (laughs) and like he's he should be just like garden variety like that it, there's nothing special necessarily, but he's just like tr- tr- treating people like human beings and and looking them in the eye and and, and not looking down and I I, I don't know I,
1: yeah well I mean there there's that and and I I I certainly would I think I would appreciate that more if I was Mexican mm-hmm. uh, but what I what I do appreciate is the open contempt he shows for the right wing press and the liberal press. <laughs> Because w- when they when they step out of line, he puts them in in their place, and it's just amazing to watch.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I haven't I haven't really and, seen. I him mean, do I mean that, that's but, like that's great. You know,
1: like I I told you, I I got into uh, I got into journalism when I was following around Black Lives Matter protests, and I was reading in the newspapers what they, you know, the lies that they were saying, and so you know, nothing makes me happier. I got into journalism to like kind of be a dick to other journalists like so when amlo does it i appreciate that
0: <laughs> i uh i got into this to expose corruption and to change the narrative because i realized what was going on corporate wise yeah yeah
1: yeah.
0: and you know the, that, that's why i did it again i got in in 2020 you, yeah, yeah you got in much earlier you look you Everybody's got different motivations things that drive them and and again i i, I love well you know that- i had
1: i had progress i don't mean to like you know diminish no, my, no you know, a- my values but you know i i do enjoy being a a bit of a bastard you know and <laughs> and messing with evil people you know
0: well, again, your, your undercover work at the, at the Freedom Summit definitely uh, showcases that kind of thing. You know, where you went in and got <laughs> got all kinds of of, of dirt and notes and asked all kinds of very innocent questions and recorded it all to be able to tell everyone, "Here's the dirty shit that's going on behind the scenes," while while they're sitting at five thousand dollar a plate lunches that's being held by religious respectable organizations that are talking about, uh, uh you know. Babies in China and ooh, it's 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 some spicy stuff. Uh, I I highly encourage everyone to go back to, to Alex's Substack and and take a look at some of the some of the topics that were discussed in that meeting. Um, and there were some attendees I wanted to mention. I was I went back and and was skimming it and I remember in in the header it says that that Nancy Pelosi, Mike Pompeo, and Josh Hawley were all in attendance and given Lincoln whole, too and, yeah. and blinking right right uh given and, and again Rokana, Rokan man yeah uh so given all of the stuff this week that happened with taiwan and pompeo offering to go over on nancy's jet, again it's just further cementing this idea of the uniparty that they're all kind of you know yeah. they may not like each other it's all theater in the end and it's all about the wallet no it's all about defending and promoting certain interests a- a- abroad and you know, that that's really where they all end up coming together. And it's always coming together to screw the the masses um, and global South. Um, that's, that's what we've seen. Um, you also have. Been doing- yeah. And
1: it was, it, it was sponsored by two different cults that believe in aliens. And I'm not just saying like, like you and I might say like, Oh yeah. The, the intelligent life probably exists. Probably. You know. I mean like really like, Alien fearing or worshipping, depending on which one, like bona fide cults, you know, were sponsoring this event. All and also all these like, you know, really fervent anti-gay, far right Christian organizations. So, you know, that that was what was interesting to me was to see, I mean, yeah, it's on one hand, it's like, yeah, Republicans and Democrats are like, you know, working to uh you know, undermine China or or do regime change or um balkanize it. Um, but what's really interesting is that like here are the top people in the Democratic and Republican party at a conference sponsored by the Church of Scientology and Falun Gong. I mean that that will that to me, you know i I'm pretty upset that that article. Those articles never really blew up because they didn't get any any attention you know i've done a lot of stuff over my career that like you know the washington post or the new york times might like write a story about you know Mm -hmm. this was like radio silence from everyone everyone um i think i did uh i did like one or two interviews about it on just like podcasts Mm -hmm. so it was it was it was pretty disappointing to me that that didn't really blow up i thought i had this huge scandal and i did but um you know unless uh unless you have like 20 blue checks tweet about it and the blue checks all fucking hate me so you know besides my little circle of friends uh it's it's really hard to you know make a story kind of go viral
0: it's you know what it's really interesting that you say that because this is a topic that we've been talking about quite a bit which is this this bubble that that we've been placed in uh, digitally. Um, yeah, And how we've been kind of pushed out of mainstream thought and idea, and they won't even accept it. And to the point where we're ending up on platforms like Rockfin and Rumble and Odyssey, uh, writing on Substack and, and Medium and Hive blog, because, and, and looking for outlets that will actually publish anything that challenges a corporate narrative, like an RT or a Sputnik. Uh, a TNT radio. Thank goodness for them. You know they hired Misty earlier this year, and she she loves working with them, and she she can't rave enough about ha- how they're all about freedom of speech. Um, and and what what does the future look like? Again, it's looking more dystopian. Uh, that that's the concern. Like, is everybody's running to Rumble, and Rumble's a Peter Thiel operation. It's like, guys, what that that's not where we want to go.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I i don't care about that right like i think that uh any any place that you might go is gonna have issues as far as like who who backs it um i i have no no qualms with rumble itself uh i don't if look if if they're gonna like take a stance against censorship fine Oh yeah, you know, we're on it. We, um, we're
0: we're there. I mean, again, we're 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 being pushed yeah, out. You know, right. I mean, YouTube will algorithm us out to death. We we can't get any play within YouTube yeah. no matter what we do because we don't want to put pictures of, of of scantily clad women and use certain clickbaity names and and words like right. destroyed and or or obliterated in the titles and. There's ways to game that thing. Um, My favorite is
1: eviscerate.
0: Eviscerate! I love oh, nice. when they use that. Yeah. Destroyed. Yeah. How? Okay. Are they still here? Yeah. The destroyed thing is just kills me. Um, but one of the other big narratives that they've been doing tremendous amount of censorship over is something that you've done a couple of really big articles back in early March, talking about the infiltration of the Nazis and and in Azov. Uh, with regard to Ukraine and and Russia and nobody was really reporting on that nearly as much. I mean Grayzone was one of the first that I can remember really talking about what Azov was and and how influential it was in that it was controlling their their quote-unquote Jewish president, right? And and
1: well Grayzone has been doing that since since the coup in 2014. Mhm. Um you know, and and I I was lucky enough to have uh, I you know I got a real education in in international politics while I was at RT. Um, so yeah, I, I I already had this existing background on on Ukraine. Um, in fact, it was like one of the regions where I I was the most knowledgeable mm. of. Um, so I I had that advantage. It wasn't like I was playing catch up. Um,
0: right,
1: so you know I, I I feel like I was able to do a handful of really good reports uh, that that changed the conversation um on the left uh and and brought over a lot of people who, you know, maybe they didn't really know much about ukraine and and said and thought, you know, Russia says they're all Nazis, but is that really true? And I was able to convince certain people that were on the fence, I think mm. um. I I, I saw I saw those articles. They really blew up um, compared to a lot of the stuff that I've done over the course of my career. So I'm very I'm very pleased with those. Um, But like I said, I had I had that background. I've been I've been following Ukraine, you know, since since uh, 2016. So maybe before that, 2015, even. You know, I knew, I knew what was going on in Donbass. I knew, you know, about the Azov battalion. I knew about C-14 and I knew about, you know, all these other right sector, you know, um, I knew all about, you know, the coup. And so I, I was able to connect dots that I think were, uh, well, I, I don't I don't want to toot my own horn <laughs> too much, but no, I'm it. proud of it, dude. dude the, that's the why you're here.
0: Man. That's why you're here. I want I want to hear it. I want to hear all about it, man. Because nobody else is going to do that for you. Like not not like you. They don't have the experience <laughs> and to know where you did that and and how. Now, one thing that I'm 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 a big admirer. I'm a patron of the Gray Zone, um, big supporter and, and a fan. They're one of the feature you know publications in independent left news and the I show a lot of Max's videos and stuff. What's it like? How, how did you get hooked up with them? I I, I, I don't. I, they probably have a secretive process, but what, what's it like to to get punched by the gray zone? Kind of like say, hey, um, wait, you want what come write something over here? Like that kind of seems like it would it would almost be the ultimate for a lefty journalist.
1: Yeah. Um... Well, I met Max. I, Max was a friend of mine. Has has been a friend of mine, and as has Anya, uh, for for a long time now. Um, Max would come into the RT office and and do interviews all the time, and I was so impressed by uh, his appearances that you know I I started really getting into his journalism, and you know, and before all that, I I introduced myself. You know, I saw him on TV a couple times uh, in in the studio, and. I went over and um, talked to him a bit about Syria. I said some pretty uninformed things in our first meeting uh, that I, I no longer stand by. But, you know, um, it, no, it was interesting. Uh, and, and despite that, he took me seriously, which was something that was really incredible because I was, you know, I was like 20, 20 22, you know, um, and, and not really, you know, knowledgeable about about uh, Syria So for him to continue to take me seriously and, and really, uh, you know, we developed a a friendship and, um, we wound up the first time we worked together was, uh, exposing the owner of the intercept Piero Midiar and, uh, and we, we forced him off Twitter. Uh, I don't know if people really know this, but, you know, I Mm -hmm. think we embarrassed him so much that, uh he subtweeted us twice and then stopped tweeting um i don't know if his account is locked now but he he went a couple years of not tweeting after we wrote about him i mean we we put out some really embarrassing information um you know not just about like his involvement with uh you know intelligence cutouts like US Aid and and the National Endowment for Democracy but also about you know his you know personal life um you know for example him having uh there there's a video game called Second Life um mm-hmm. and it's it's um I don't I'll explain it really quick for for viewers who might not be familiar but it's like you know it's not really like there's no point to the game. Like you're not trying to beat the boss. It's like you just. It's like your second life. Um, so he has an avatar. He had an avatar on that game. It was a um, bald black man. By the name of Quito Mandala. And. Uh, there's all these. Screenshots that. I dug up of. Quito Mandala. Uh, in a bondage chamber. That kind of stuff. So Ooh. we put that out there and yeah it's really funny. It's really I like if you go to mint Press News um find that article it's the we did because it was a three part series it's the one about his reclusiveness uh and you can see that we we put those pictures out and it really embarrassed him uh, and he started tweeting about like suing o- opening up libel laws and stuff like that and then he just went dark on Twitter. Um, so I, you know, I, I like to think that was us and I don't think that's too much of a stretch,
0: we did actually, yeah, that, you know, yeah, uh, so that was the, we did, we did a breaking points expose earlier this year uh, at INN where we started looking into some of the people and, and intercept Omidyar because they're one of the affiliates that was announced as an affiliate partnership. And actually your article series in Mint press was one of the things that we referenced quite a bit. Uh, in in looking at some of those connections so I'm I'm quite familiar with what you're talking about and I again highly <laughs> encourage everybody to go and take a look at some of those spicy articles in midpress news they are still up uh Menard's great and uh, and it is one of the one of the uncorrupted lefty outlets out there that I, I highly encourage everybody to support uh, independent journalism that that challenges narratives that that supports Palestinian people there aren't enough of them. And I know Lee Camp just went to go work over there with, with Dan Cohen. They're not doing a show, so so that's that's good for them. Um and again, Alex is <laughs> Mint Press, Gray Zone, RT, <laughs> Sputnik. How'd you get to Rockfin and, and doing a podcast? How how did that happen?
1: Well, Rockfin approached uh me. Um and they wanted uh investigative journalism. Hmm. I said I can't put investigative journalism behind a paywall. Um, but I'll do a podcast. Um, so we had, we had a six month contract um that has passed. And uh, my co-host and I, Mila decided that we weren't going to continue um, just because unfortunately we weren't, we weren't getting the numbers we wanted on Rockfin. Mm. Uh, so, it's possible that you know in the future we're going to continue and rockfin will be one of the places where we do that podcast um but it wasn't it wasn't uh worth our time i would say give, given the numbers that we were getting um so you know a lot of people are asking what happened to the show and it's been it's been like probably 6 months since we've done it uh, and we'd really, we've talked a lot about doing it again. She came to my wedding um, and we talked about it there. We've, you know, talked about it since then. Um, give it some time and maybe it'll be back. Well, again, I, I
0: really enjoyed it, especially the one with Max, with Jimmy Dore. Uh, well, no, that was Max with Jimmy Max, no, you, yeah. you, you, with, with Max. Mm-hmm. Um, that was awesome. Uh, I think it was, it was like episode Fifteen or I do not even I had, I had an episode number memorized at one point, but that was <laughs> I was telling everyone go go watch that episode with them and that was a great kind of intro to why why should you be on Rockfin Premium is to get stuff like that. I think they were pushing it last year when when Max started his show, um, uh, they got Ben Ben with a channel and a, a bunch of those guys. It was like a, it was like a class uh, of of people all kind of came on at once and sort of doing those premium podcasts, which are good, which are great. Um We actually do a, uh, the podcast for Friends of Indie Left. I actually put on Substack because Substack allows you now to host and RSS yeah. and distribute out your own podcast. So, and, I, and so I can email it out to a list um, and then distribute it out to all the different platforms as well. And then you see, I'm co-streaming it out to everywhere. So uh, if, if that was a way to get you guys making some money to put it out everywhere and maybe have i'd love to see it come back personally um you know i i want to see good writers i appreciate that out out there and and creating more well and i got
1: i got so lucky i got so lucky with mila as a co-host too because she's she's just you know brilliant brilliant Um, I, i i i i can't say uh too much about her because she's you know just awesome um and under-recognized so you know yeah I, i'd like to i'd like to continue the podcast again um for now i'm trying to focus on 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 writing um mm-hmm. but again we'll see we'll see you know keep, keep an eye on the twitters
0: i, w- I definitely will now i want to mention you know you mentioned a couple times you got married uh this year and congratulations i know i know and Pasta Thank also you. went to the wedding how do you yeah. manage a relationship a home life is she plugged into lefty politics? Is, is this a, is it a complete escape for you? How do you balance that? Cause it's in hard.
1: Yeah. I, I, uh, I'm trying to figure that out. <laughs> 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 to be honest. No. And you know, on top of that, it's, you know, we have three dogs. Uh, so it's, you know, it's a lot. And then, um, it's a lot, uh, to be in a country that you're not from uh it's a lot to be in a country that you don't speak the language so well Mm -hmm. um no she's not she's not really plugged into lefty politics her family is uh but her not so much uh it just so happens that she's got really good instincts um so you know we wind up on the same page about all those things you know um when they come up Um, but yeah, you know, I'll I'll say it's difficult. Um, one thing about living in Mexico is that that's difficult is is not being a part of the conversation that's happening in politics at that moment. Um, it was a lot easier for me uh to be on top of everything when I worked in an office, you know, Mm. and I'd go in every day and I'd sit with my co coworkers and we'd talk about the news of the day and give our analysis and bounce ideas off each other uh i don't have that here so it's it's a little more difficult uh i, I do have you know uh, I, I keep some some connections with uh people over the internet and, and and on whatsapp and such but uh it's definitely it it's a very different experience covering the news remotely uh you know of course a lot of it's remote anyways because you know we're not all in ukraine but to not be in the United States where I'm speaking to an American audience, uh, to not be a part of those conversations in person, you know, I, I'm on Twitter, so it, you know, it makes it easier. But that that is a challenge. Um, but you know, any challenge can be overcome.
0: Sure, sure. Um, and again, so I wanted to ask uh, what what you were working. It looks like the last thing you put out was about 60 days ago or so. It you was said, a while ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so
1: do you, do you like, well, I got my residency. So that's, you know, <laughs> that process is over. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. What was your question? No, I bet, you know, doing things uh, here in my personal life, but yeah, I, I, I have hopefully some stuff coming up soon. I, I don't want to sp- give any spoilers if that well, was your question. You
0: said, hopefully you were going to be able to drop a couple, a, a couple things here. So I didn't know if there was anything that you wanted to drop. You certainly yeah. can, but, but, but the New York city story, believe well, it's, me, it was a hell of a thing to drop. So <laughs> I, I'll, I'll take that and be really, really grateful uh for sure. It's, um, it's
1: tough, man. Um, Because things move so quick. And then, you know, one moment it's Ukraine and then the next it's China. And like, sometimes you're working on something so long that it's like, you know that if you if you put it out when it's done no one's going to read it you know and you can see that happen i've had articles that have even been timely and i've felt like they've fallen flat um so it's it's a balancing act and you really have to be quick and sometimes uh i am not quick
0: <laughs> you yeah. know
1: sometimes i have i have like you know 3000 more words than i should you know, I'd rather be right in, than in my fast.
0: Article. I'd rather be right than fast. I'm with you, man. Um, yeah. At least, at least, say what I want to say rather than getting something out that, oh man, I wish I had said
1: that. and Then I go back. But and that's like, not that how wasn't... that's not how the media environment works, unfortunately. You know. Right. Yeah. That I'm the same way. You know, but it's it's not it's not uh it's not made for people like us. It's meant it's made for you know the quick take. Or, or at least, um, you know, the thing is, is that as as independent people, we don't have this like infrastructure, you know, to be able to put something out every day. We don't have a team of editors. I have one editor and he's a dad and he's got like six other people that, you know, whose stuff he's also working on. So it's really tough, you know, to be timely. Um, you yeah. know, I when I worked at, at Sputnik for example I do three or four articles per day you know um and that's you know not how I'd prefer to work just because it doesn't really give you the the time to you know dig in as much as you'd like to but um you know when you have when you have that infrastructure that institutional backing it really does help uh so you know I your viewers, of course, they support indie media, but I hope that they understand that that you know it's it's really when you're flying solo, it's it's really tricky.
0: You bet, especially here when you don't have benefits on top of it. Um, it's it's yeah, brutal. No. <laughs> it's brutal. Yeah, no overtime I mean, pay. I mean, it's, uh, forget about the salary and everything else. Just the cost of health care. I mean, the cost of going everywhere. You're really dependent on, on your, your viewership, your listeners and, and, and your supporters. Um, and again, we're grateful for all the people that are out there supporting you. Unfortunately, we're all poor. (laughs) There's not enough millionaires out there on the left. Where are you all? Come on guys. How do you think you got rich? It was with all of us. Um, So uh, again, we're wrapping up an hour here. I really appreciate all the time that you've given. Um, uh, Any anything you're pitching, anything anywhere you should go. I know that I've I've got links to your to your Substack in the description, uh, to your Patreon. Believe it or not, I found your Patreon. (laughs) Um, And then oh geez. no,
1: don't don't no nobody go to my Patreon. No, Uh, I have like three. Well, I mean, if you want to give me money, do it on do it on Substack. Uh oh, there you go. Okay. But yeah, I need to take down that Patreon. I have like three uh patrons and I never update it. So like, you know, um don't don't do that. Uh okay, don't save go to your Patreon. Money or or go to, Patreon. Or, or, get, or go to Substack, you know. Yeah, go um, to but sub-stack. the thing about my Substack, and I gotta plug this, is everything's free. Um, I don't put anything behind a paywall on Substack. Uh, I will never put my investigative journalism behind a paywall. Uh, so, free email updates. Um, if I can't publish an article in full on the Substack, I will give you a preview and a link so you can read it and use it as, you know, what it what it's supposedly is, a mailing list. Um, but uh, yeah, Substack and Twitter, that's where you can uh, stay on top of everything that I'm doing.
0: That's killer, man. At, at RealAlexRuby, R-U-B-I um again this has been friends of any left i am i'm so appreciative this is this is one of the, the i'm gonna i'm gonna gush over you for a minute here and i hope you're not uncomfortable this guy's on the all-star team um he's one of the top 20 out there that are doing this uh gives a crap caring and and you can see it in the writing uh again i I'm a fan, and uh, and I hope everybody subscribes. He was on Slow News Day a couple of weeks ago. Go go check that out with Steve. And he was on with Steve's kids, and that was that was a blast. Uh, oh, that,
1: was, that was right. Funny. Oh, yeah, that's how I saw. It. Yeah, because you were in the comments saying oh, I'd love to have Alex on. I'm like, yeah, man, hit me up. You know, let me know. Yeah, that was stuff. a crazy show, man. I'm just like yes, sitting there, like dumbfounded the whole time. Like, what is going on?
0: Oh my god. All right, man. Well, I, again, I'm gonna let everyone get out of here but uh again thank you so much for your time and again this has been indie this is friends of indie left this is episode 10 and i'm going to sign off by telling everyone to always question everyone's motivations thank you everybody